0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to an episode. Um, This episode is a special episode that we're having. Uh, What happened was last month uh, when we were at our trip to Harvard with our interview with um, Erica and Donna was that anchor basically cut off half of our conversation. So that's why we had to um, do two parts to the segment. And so we are still in the works of Um, Recording the part two. Um, But in between um, this and the next episode, we wanted to just do a brief check in um, before the semester ended for me and also um, to give you all a huge update to a lot of these changes that Ariana and I are going through. So, um, again, my name is Patricia. I am one of the co hosts, and I have my friend Ariana. Hello. As uh, my co-host. So, uh, we wanted to start first with a brief check-in. So, Ariana, um, within this past month that we haven't recorded, um, how are you managing? How are you doing? Um, what's what's happening?
1: <laughs> yes, it's so nice to uh, be together again virtually. Um So, I'm on the West Coast in California. Um, Shortly after we recorded, everything, like, hit the fan, Um, meaning COVID happened, and um, I had to think about just next steps, right? Um, It was looking a little bit daunting on the East Coast, so I booked a flight, the, the the, the closest flight I could get, and... And just came out here to to wait out the the virus. And I thought it was going to take three weeks. Or, you know, projecting, más o menos, it, it'll last three weeks. And now it's been over a month. So I'm still here and um, hanging out with family. And it's, um, it's been interesting to to get used to this new normal that people claim it is. And yeah, so with that said, I am uh, happy to be back in California and the nice weather. And um, I think all of this situation has made me realize how much I, I miss California, how much I I love being here because there's delicious food. My friends are here and um, yeah, it's made me reflect on, on my time in Boston and I've it's helped me decide that I'm ready to to move back. And um, and I'm working on that right now, transitioning back to California. I'm still working uh, remotely with the Immigration Initiative. I actually left my position, my full-time position with um, the nonprofit uh, at the end of February. And it's all just seeming, it seems like everything's falling into place. You know, sin querer, queriendo, everything's like fitting in and, um, yeah, just planning for the unforeseeable future in the next few months. So it's exciting and, and yeah. What about you, Patricia?
0: It's so interesting because, you know, we've been connecting virtually since the start of, you know, our grad programs and having to connect virtually and like do all these things has been like something we've been doing, um, from, for a while, um because of also like the the spaces that we've been like we were far away from home or in our communities here in the Bay Area and now that everything's like going virtually I'm just like oh well it's interesting because in grad programs you're like always quarantined you know in a, in a different sense because mm-hmm. you're like you're not really connected or able to see um family friends um periodically mm-hmm. um you having to sit and write and and read and do all these things. And it's interesting having to be, you know, in the space doing, while everyone's doing it also. It's definitely not the same. I mean, I had to, um, like once I came back from Boston um, and I was like driving down to Fresno, it was also like a lot of this news at first it was just kind of like, oh, it's not that serious, and then now it's, like, oh, it's, like, super serious, and, like, you know, the way that different administrations, and and not only in, like, our higher ed institutions, but it's, like, also in the state level, and also nationally, and globally, it's, like, it's all very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, like, super anxious, because, you know, I have a, my mom is immunocompromised, so it was, like, being back home and then deciding, like, oh, shoot, I'm gonna have to like move out within like my few weeks because I was like, there's no point. Like a lot of these things were extended. I um I, on a weekend, I my dad drove me down and um we packed everything and one day it took us four hours to get there, four hours to pack and four hours back. Wow. Um and so it was just like, oh my gosh, because I I had to make a decision and I was like, there's no way there's no point in me staying in Fresno hiring freezes happened in the central Valley. There is no jobs there, um, that are opening. Um, I started applying to jobs back in December. And so it was just kind of like, I kind of have a sense of where they are, but you know, I'm doing interviews and they're just not in the central Valley and now having to move remotely has been a challenge because my parents don't have internet in this space. Um, and I found out about satellite internet um, because of my boyfriend. He was like, oh, my, you know, because he lives in, like, out, outside of also, like, the city. Um, and so having to get Wi-Fi and doing job interviews remote with, like, my hotspot, like, that was really challenging. And still having to make meetings with students and seeing them having issues with the internet as well. Like, I was just like, this is, like, everyone is having a really, really hard time transitioning, Mm -hmm. especially in our households. Like we share spaces. We, you know, are having to share space with people that are still working, um, people that were still going to school. um, And then for us new grads, there's just so much going on that I'm just like, it took me a while. I think I got sad because in the month of March, it's both of our birthdays. Yeah. um, And, when my birthday came around, that's when everything was, like, shut down. And I just got super sad because I was just like, it's my 25th birthday, and I'm not able to celebrate the way that I wanted to celebrate. Um, And that's when it got sad. And then later on, I was, like, thinking, too, like, I'm not going to, like, have a graduation ceremony the way that I thought I was going to have and you know you start thinking about all the things that you're not going to have and all the things that you'd have to adjust and I was like this is a lot to take in in one sitting. Yeah. while also having to do it, write a thesis about inequities, <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> I know. I know it was so crazy cuz um I mean I was in California that first week of March and you know people here were like, "Oh, let's just not handshake and let's just, you know, um
0: Wash your hands. Wash your
1: hands, and use hand sanitizer. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I felt like, I felt like maybe certain people are a little extra than others. Um, and I did get to celebrate my birthday it was pre-planned, and and then I went back to Boston. Once I was there, it was like the complete opposite. I didn't notice it at first because I didn't really leave my house the first few days, and then. I went to the store. Like I kept reading in the news that like the stores were empty, that there was a toilet paper, that there wasn't this, there wasn't that. And I'm like, What? And then it wasn't until I, I went to the store and it was like the shelves were literally empty that I, I'm like that I realized I'm like, Oh wow, this is really this is really bad. <laughs> I mean, Harvard closed its campus, kicked out the students and like in a matter of like two days and I'm like like all, you know, all these changes happen in, in, in such a short amount of time. And I was like, yeah, if I'm going to be stuck anywhere, <laughs> I'd rather be home, like in California where I can at least go outside and there's nature, you know, nature's easily accessible for my, you know, well-being and my my,
0: my health and mental health. Uh, and also for you to be like all on your own, uh, yeah, and like the East Coast, with no friends and family. And that's like the same reason why I decided to move back with my family. Um, and I was just like, there's, see, like shit hits the fan. I would rather it be, you know, with a support system. And for me to also like not have to worry about my family handling a lot of things. Because, you know, my mom um has like these heart, you know, high blood pressure and all these things. And um. Wow my older sister has a disability because of a car mm-hmm. accident she had a while ago so it was like a lot of like and then my younger sister is still finishing um her semester um so I was just like no I need to I need to be back mm-hmm. home and I like it just felt wrong mm-hmm. you know like just being on your own and doing things and then it just also like the sense of like si no hay comida en la casa <laughs> <too."> <laughs> I was like shit. You know, and I don't think I could feed myself in these times because of like the amount of like workload and transitions that I had to go through. I was just like, there's no way. So I I packed a a small suitcase with a few bags, but then after a while I was just like, I need my stuff.
1: (laughs) That's where I'm at right now.
0: (laughs) You're wearing the same three shirts, you know. I
1: can only combine (laughs) these clothes so only so many times.
0: You can only do a random shuffle, you know. Like, like. my mom is
1: like, Do you want this old sweater? I'm like, Yeah, give it to me. (laughs) I'm just here. (laughs) No, literally, I plan to be here for three weeks. It's like, I don't, I did not bring that many clothes. So, all my stuff is still back there. And, um, and for the same reasons you mentioned, I'm like, If shit hits the fan, I'd rather be home. At least I'll have my parents, you know, someone will take care of me if I come down
0: with something and um... see <laughs> si sí, sí, algo pasa you know like uh, you know que no te vas a morir exactly. de hambre, you know with family because of like when i was trying to shop grocery shop in fresno like all the grocery stores no tenían muchas cosas and so I was just like if anything, I can combine the stuff that I could bring from mm-hmm. Fresno to my family's house. Um, my dad has a garden. You know, like, you start thinking about, like, okay, what's the alternative and how can we, like, put our resources together yeah. um, to help each other in these times? Um, it's it's wild, but then also thinking about, you know, changing to, to our topic really is about, like, higher ed and supporting and addressing inequities in programs. Um, it has been really interesting. Um, as I mentioned, like, I'm job searching. And the, a lot of the questions um, that I've been getting, both me asking them and them asking me, it's like, how would you address or how would you change your programming, your style, your advising, and things like that with, with students? And for the most part at my job, we had already set up a lot of these things ahead because we were thinking ahead, you know, working with undocumented students, you have to, as advisors, as good advisors, as good coordinators, you really have to try to be five steps ahead for our students to um, be able to, you know, for you to not just adjust to the changes, but also to help others you know, be informed and adjust to those new changes mm-hmm. as well. So um, I've been pushing even, like, in our in our center, I'm like, we need to start offering, you know, Zoom meetings for virtual, you know, uh, for people who have to work or, or class or something like that and they can't be in prison, like, this should be a thing or a phone call conversation or a phone consultation. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to, you know, really amp up our social media presence and, you know, disseminate information that way. Um, be more proactive in emails, you know, like all these things have to have already should have already been done. But other programs, you can see like, the disastrous, you know, way that people are implementing and taking things on. And that's when I've like realized, especially coming from toxic workplaces, where I've been pushed out, like, you have to be really like, kind of like, cognizant of which job offer you're going to accept or what the workplace will look like because when things like this happen you get taxed with a lot more work than anybody else
1: yeah I mean it's also overwhelming I I, I get all these emails and all these messages and it's I'm not a student and I'm still overwhelmed like I get tired of all the uh, posts that I see about Zoom um, events, you know, like sign up for this Zoom thing to cover, to address certain things, and I'm like, that would be great, but it's 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 exhausted, it's draining. I can only imagine how much the students are suffering right now, you know. One, you know, being bombarded with all these Zoom meetings and presentations, and also two, not being able to access them if you don't have um, good a good internet connection or the
0: resources, you know, or yeah, and it's and it's also like seeing how a lot of these professors, like, si ya estaban bien mal, like just even trying to connect their laptop to the projector <laughs> in the classroom, you know, like things like that. Now it's like really pushing out a lot of people for like either early retirement or you know, just some faculty who also, you know, experience, because not all faculty have, like, stellar, you know, income coming in. Um, some of these faculty, especially if they're marginalized themselves, like, are also dealing with similar things that others, our students are mm-hmm. dealing with. And um, to think about, like, how they're, you know, having to to really transition into this virtual space and instruction has been super, super challenging um, for a lot of students, because a lot of the times they're like, you know, I've had, you know, meetings with students, and they're saying, well, I just don't like this whole online thing. Um, A lot of instructors don't really teach the same way. I mean, if they were terrible teachers (laughs) before, I mean, right now, they're really like, not a lot of learning Mm -hmm. is happening. And a lot of, outrageously ridiculous assignments are being put just to say that there's something to do. Um, It's just adding more to Mm -hmm. the workload Um, and having to be on a zoom meeting is just, and trying to learn while everything is happening, there's just like still no space to really fully transition and to adapt and to say like, this could have been a really great opportunity for a lot of people to reflect what is the priority, like how we're saying You know, what's what matters? What's the immediate change that we can do? What is something that we can tangibly have as students are transitioning into this new phase? A lot of the graduates, I mean, si era tan difícil to prepare for, you know, post grad stuff, imagine now there's no internships, there's no assistantships, there's no like things for them to develop, like prepare themselves for the next Mm -hmm. steps. Um, And I posted today on our page, on, on our stories, this ramp, because in mm-hmm. this morning I had it from my program, sent out an email saying um, all the graduates, uh, we are in cohorts, so we're the second cohort. There's only uh, cohort one and cohort two, basically meaning like you're in your first year, you're mm-hmm. in your second year. Um, uh, and since we're graduating, the, the first year cohort was saying, Could you all, like, submit a picture, um, a brief bio, and then post-grad outcomes? I was livid, livid in this morning because I was thinking, first of all, I don't have even grad picks because I've been writing my thesis this whole time. As a lot of us who are still finishing up our thesis and projects, um, putting that all together, um, just the amount of money that it takes to pay for a grad cap. Mm -hmm. and gown and stoles I mean they charge us for every little shit you know like just to do anything and then uh, for them to like tell us to post a picture in her bio and then the thing that really outraged me was the post-grad
1: plans Mm -hmm.
0: because if you hadn't been applying like how I did six months prior or even back in December there is no, like, I've been looking at, like, higher ed jobs, and there's no, like, job postings in the Central Valley for, like, positions mm-hmm. in student affairs. A lot of the searches have been canceled. I've been getting emails from different institutions saying that they're having hiring freezes. Even though I applied, like, before oh. the thing, the search committees and stuff like that, like, it's, it right now, they're, they're on, like, survival mode and certain things, so... There's certain things they don't mm-hmm. have budget for anymore. Um, Or they can't have these committees trying to hire you or trying to do the whole process. Um, Some people are leaving different institutions. You know, like there's so many shifts that are happening that they've like decided, you know, we're not going to mm-hmm. hire right now. Um, We're going to keep everyone, whoever we have, and then just try and, and evaluate which areas are mm-hmm. the most in need of having to hire. Um and then in the fresno state there're definitely like there's no hiring and then in the in the central valley there's just not enough institutions mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. even work um and to think that like my first thought of actually saying like as of right now as of today i don't have any job offers so my post grad plans is unemployment right. <laughs> you know like would y'all really post mm-hmm. that? You know, like that's what got me thinking. And one of my friends in the in the first year cohort actually mentioned, we actually brought it up and well, clearly they didn't get listened to. And so it, it comes into question about if it's a grad program dedicated for student affairs, who is talking about higher ed issues, who supposedly centers social justice, how much of it is very mm-hmm. performative? How much as actually is... Because I'm thinking about, you know, what hood rat to head wrap. Um, it's a decolonized podcast by Erica Hart and Ebony Donley. Um, they mention about diversity in a sense that diversity is, you know, centered in whiteness because it's in an it's talking about the absence of. Because it was so white at the beginning, diversity is now talking about, oh, it's diverse now because it's we didn't have it before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's still centering mm-hmm. whiteness. And so it, it just shows now, it's like, it's like really mm-hmm. sh- telling about when shit hits the fan, higher ed professionals, administrators, student first people, if you're not really working in an anti-racist framework, you really everything that else that you're doing mm-hmm. is performative. And when she hits a fan, you don't know what to do. And with these job interviews, it's so telling to see who knows how to work and who knows how to engage minoritized students through this process. If they weren't doing it before, and I've been in one interview where it's like, they definitely did not have it together. And I was looking at like, well, in that case, this is like a consultation that you're having and like, (laughs) and they just send an invoice at this point, (laughs) you know? Yeah.
1: And what does that do? Mm-hmm. I, I get that a lot with like interviews and they pose that question as to like, they post a problem or they post something and they're, I feel like they're just digging for ideas from the people they're interviewing for, from.
0: And actually uh one of the um directors of student government um that I used to work with, he actually said that he was like straight up like, Oh, yeah, I sometimes, you know, use, you know, the student exchange program from, you know, NASPA as an opportunity to ask certain questions that I'm kind of dealing with in the workplace and asking these applicants to see how they would respond Mm -hmm. to these problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would
1: think it would be be the other way, right? Like they would have it together.
0: Well, it's like free consultation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's taken advantage, especially with... um, Uh, minoritized applicants it's about asking them all these diversity questions and then hiring the white person (laughs) yep yep and it also brought me into like thinking about like how can we celebrate the contributions the successes the um Great wins and just celebrate just the person and especially all the first-gen students out there, um, especially since they're doing, you know, like if they're the first in their family doing an undergrad degree, like how can you both celebrate them and also center the most marginalized during this time? Um, Because a lot of this, these like really performative, like Random. It's like f- read the fucking room, you know. Like it's see that like there's there's people like I'm like feeling like um, Kim and and Courtney, like people are dying, you know. Like having to like remember of like who is dying and who's being the most affected during these times is Black and Indigenous mm-hmm. communities, and also right now a lot of Asians experiencing a lot of like um, hate crimes hate speech, you know, and it's just like, how can you tell me to like do these like really superficial activities like this and for the institution and program to credit and, you know, credit themselves for all this work and all these like amazing contributions you're making, but then they don't take accountability to the actions that they perpetuate in your experiences going Mm -hmm. through a grant program. Like, there's no sense of justice. I mean, and social justice would be something where, I mean, you wouldn't be posting on social media about, like, oh, look how awesome it is. Like, social justice doesn't really happen in, like, publishing a journal, publishing a book, publishing Mm -hmm. a chapter. It really, for me, it's what are the actions that are doing when things come to your table and how are you Mm going to address it? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you want to share a little bit about your research presentation? I think you pointed out um, something, some, uh, what are they called? Gold
0: nuggets in there? (laughs) So um, I think I'm going to do another, like, much more in-depth, you know, um, podcast episode on, like, my research project, but really... um, For all of you who all don't know, um, I did a research project on the implementation of uh, the graduation initiative um, 2025 in the California State University system at at a particular campus. Um, So I did a a case study um, looking at how student affairs and academic affairs administrators are implementing it and then as it relates to equity at, at a Hispanic serving institution. And so one of the findings or several of the findings that I found or the big, large themes was this sense of, like, equity is such an arbitrary thing that no one has a defined... There's no definition for it. Um, People, each of the administrators had something different. But it's also about no one really knows how to... Be proactive and be on top of all these changes that are happening to help minoritized students graduate um, mm-hmm. faster. Um, a lot of the data and metrics in these graduation rates and retention rates are not the most accurate because they're counting on quantitative data. They're, they're accounting on graduation rate data national from like iPads or like big databases national databases, they're relying on the same metrics that they have, and they're putting it and implementing it in their own system. So even the fact that, let's say, um, the umbrella term that the the CSU, the California State University system uses, the uh, underrepresented minority students, includes Black, um, Latinx, they call them Hispanics, um, and Native Americans. But it doesn't include Asian populations that experience, uh, it doesn't include Asians in general. Um, but it also doesn't include Asian populations that have very similar graduation rate um, as uh, all the other groups. So you're really like not centering Southeast Asians, um, Hmong, Laotian, Cambodian, who have been experiencing huge barriers in obtaining uh, a degree um, you're also like undocumented students are not taken into account because they're they're categorized as non pell when looking at low income and then first of all like in just in general, like in order to be considered low income, you have to have this arbitrary un you know realistic number of what low income is. It doesn't take into account geographic location, cost of living in the area. Uh, What is the minimum wage of that area? And also um, the cost of expense in college is very different um, for undocumented students because they don't receive the same aid as Pell um, recipients or people who are filling out FAFSA. Um, It doesn't take into account that undocumented students uh, changed their status and then now can fill out FAFSA, but still are capped into the eligibility mark of California Dream Act. So they're only eligible for aid for four years. FAFSA students are six, but if they switch, let's say, within their first year to FAFSA, they're still capped at six, at four. So, you know, like things like this, they don't have it because they're relying on quantitative data. Um, it's so important for Advisors, advising centers, student affairs professionals in academic affairs too, to do qualitative focus groups to assess what are those needs that students are experiencing, because oftentimes I mean, I've been listening to to like the voices of the field from student affairs, the NASPA podcast, and they're all saying like, um, you know, student affairs this and student affairs that but it's like, also, you all are always inviting the student leaders and who are the student leaders? Usually the privileged or the people that fit the mold of like what you're mm-hmm. what you want them to say. It's not actually inviting that transfer student who's a student parent. It's not inviting a um a student who is is like super lost and doesn't even know how to get involved on campus and just thinks that, you know, just by cl- doing good classes, that's that's enough. Or or they don't even know what uh, navigational tools and how to like manage all these things. Like you need to get those ones, like the people that are not actively going to some of these services, you need to find those and have them in those focus groups. Cause that will best inform you through the qualitative study, through focus groups of what is really the need Mm -hmm. of the students. Like, and not have them have to explain themselves over and over again without the other person understanding because there's so many students coming to my meetings and saying, oh, it's because it's so hard to like have someone understand what my particular Mm -hmm. circumstance is because people don't understand how complex it is. Mm -hmm. And then they penalize those students. So this is a part where I'm like thinking about how can we, how can higher ed support these students? Um, and take into account, like we were mentioning, what was the list? I had a list of like stuff that the new recent graduates are having to, you know, deal with. And I mentioned, I mean, just in general, like having a non entering <laughs> a non-existent job market, the DACA Supreme court ruling happening any fucking time soon, um, Potentially, right? Like, that may or may not happen. So it's like a roller coaster of an answer. Um, No stimulus check for a lot of graduates who are going to college. Um, No loan forgiveness for a lot of those folks who have loans. Whoever is 26 years old or going to turn 26 within the next upcoming year, you won't have any health care. And who knows what the whole paperwork is going to happen to, like, even get... Healthcare. care um many undocumented students are not going to receive the care act aid they might receive some sort of i mean a lot of colleges have been saying that they're going to support them in a different pocket of money through the their own universities but oftentimes that's not the same number that the other students are receiving it's much lower um What happens with those students that are graduating soon? Are they still receiving that aid, right? Or does it have to be continuing students coming in? Like, we don't know a lot of these, you know, requirements yet because they're still kind of hearing it through. Um, A lot of the care for family unit has increased a lot. Um, Advising and teaching younger family members on top of their own schoolwork. No child or adult care. Upcoming bills they cannot afford. Um, we talked about racism and hate crimes, and then huge barriers to research projects. That's huge because I also had to write in my thesis like, due to COVID 19, I wasn't able to interview as many people as possible. Um, we don't have uh, access to the full range of like databases or things like that that you normally would have, like on campus, or the tools that you need to just like write these things done. Um, it's not yeah, the same.
1: It definitely interrupted a lot of things. But yeah, I, I really appreciated um, hearing you present your, your thesis and pointing things out and um, and how this whole initiative, right, in 2025, this, this measurement that they've set for themselves, like what is the point or how realistic is it? If the students that they're tr- that they're claiming to support are not really receiving the support and services that they need. Right. Like. I mean, you will no. you'll go more into this in another episode, but it's just um, I was just like, this is what we've been saying the whole time. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. And it's like the fact that it's because it's not something that they are comfortable with. It's not something that's full of positivity. Um, I think a lot of people mistake this as like, oh, well, you like yeah. to always point out the negative, right? Like you're always just like the angry person, specifically the angry, like in my case, the angry black, brown woman who is coming in and always like, you know, like it's never good enough. And yeah. I was just like, well, it's not. You know, like it really isn't. And on top of that, um, you're definitely able to do these things. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't center you. You know, it's, it's not about you. It's um, Whenever I'm working with, um, you know, my students, it's like always thinking about how can I best serve them. It's nothing about me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I, it's not Instagrammable. It's not tweetable. You know, because that's something, a private conversation that I'm mm-hmm. having with that student. You know, and having to always like them saying that they haven't been able to find someone on campus to actually talk to them about these negative things because we never allow spaces for them to process and talk to someone about these things because the other person always is like, oh, no, that kind of makes me feel really like guilty. And all this white savior shit, you know, comes in. And then they're like, oh, now I'm uncomfortable, you know, like now the student is Mm -hmm. in an uncomfortable position. Yeah,
1: exactly. But that's just um, one of the many topics we'll be covering this summer.
0: (laughs) I know. And it's something that like, it's made me even more mad because once you spend you know, a great chunk of your months writing about inequities because my whole thing is like through Mm -hmm. the lens of inequities or equity Um, and then shit like this happens, it just like triggers you in like such a deep level that you're just like, because you're the one who sees how it impacts students and the outcome of it and like you see the solution is right then and there and people are like still choosing to do something else and it's Mm -hmm. coming from black and brown people, Mm -hmm. like that hurts even more and then other people co-signing it too, and no one else sees the problem. And if they do see it, they get silenced and pushed out. Like, oh no, not like you, you know. And it's made me think too, like within our our job search or our next steps. Um, it's choosing like this field, you know, like and and thinking about now somehow we're the ones who are trendy and people are looking for us. Yeah. Because they don't know how to solve these issues right now and they just want to like put the put the baggage on that new person that's coming in who is knowledgeable of these things. But I'm also thinking about long term are they going to push us out mm-hmm. after this like covid thing? Are they going to push us out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and dispose of us?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's higher ed, right? <laughs>
0: I mean that's like systemic oppression <laughs> the modern kind um, because they've been able to co-opt a lot of our our talks like I mean the fact that there's still some people that are saying that they're like woke and shit you know in, in higher ed and in student affairs I'm just like it kind of blows my mind I'm like what um, because it's like so they're so detached really about like what the actual experience, the student experiences now in these times and every job interview that I've had, um, I've had to bring it up to them because they, they asked me about first year students. And I'm like, well, you have to realize that this generation is Generation Z. And it's a whole different decade that they are coming in um, in higher ed. Um, and the transfer students, they came in as transfer students mm-hmm. in a whole different circumstance, too um and so we're we're coming in with like two different student populations with so many different experiences and in thinking about international students like what is going to be like the upcoming issues in higher ed because they were always counting on like international students to bring in big money
1: yeah
0: and now they don't have them or they kick the them country. out. They kick them out of the the the, the college, residential, everything. the college.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be different for sure. And I mean, I I see it even with my siblings who are getting are are getting are trying to learn, but they're not really learning, and they don't have the energy to do it. Like for them, it feels like summer already. You know, they feel like they're on break. <laughs>
0: And they're barely, like, you know, the effect that it's going to have on them, like, long term. Exactly.
1: It, I feel for them. I'm like, I am so glad I went to school when I did.
0: Right? And then you just graduated, like, right that at that like, prime time. Yeah,
1: that was a close one.
0: <laughs> you were just so close on so many levels. But, I mean tell us about your your job search experience so so far
1: job searching in boston like i mentioned i mean everything just completely changed right because i was focused on staying there um i I was thinking of um staying another year and i actually got a job offer from harvard college uh, to work with undocumented students in mid-march um but like i mentioned harvard closed closed the school kicked out the students um and then shortly after like what you mentioned patricia they put a hiring freeze and so then my negotiation process got halted and they're like oh like thank you for submitting your references but we can't move forward because now we can't hire you because of this you know what's going on right i'm like okay great Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I, I hadn't already started thinking about moving back. So I started looking at jobs around here. And like you mentioned, a lot of universities are not hiring. Or if they are, they're taking um, their time as to when and how they're going to be hiring people. Because everything's so up in the air, right? It's
0: so... It's um... so up in the air. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's delayed a lot because you're... I mean... Hire it already is like a huge bureaucracy of like people and everything. And then on top of that, you had to wait for the search committee. Um, and mm-hmm. each search committee is so different. And so it, depending on what their timeline is. And then on top of that, they have to wait for HR's timeline. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's all a process. Right. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I, um, that, things happened the way that they did because I literally left my job at the end of February and not thinking about COVID at all like I wasn't um that wasn't in my mind or radar yet um but I think just the fact that what it's almost May and um and this hasn't ended yet and I don't think it will so it's like trying to, it, it definitely changes how you're looking at jobs too right like what is going to be sustainable regardless of a, an epidemic um uh epidemic right or regardless of anything you know I'm also thinking of the recession coming up that I think definitely will hit this year it's on its way since last year of, last May so it's definitely like changing how higher ed institutions are, are going to be functioning in the fall and in maybe the next year. Right. Like how are they what needs are they going to have? And um, especially if students are not going to be back in, on campus, the need for in-person, you know, like student affairs professionals is going to be less and they're going to need more IT people.
0: Well, on top of that, they are also going to, you know, not hire a few um, places, like, and I'm seeing, like, hiring places in development, they -hmm. might take away some of those leadership programs, they might take away some of those, you know, um, extracurriculars, like, you know, athletics, Um, they might take away some of those Mm -hmm. recreational, like, um, sports teams, staff people, Um all the programming on campus, whoever's doing like just random programming, like they're gonna go back to like basic necessities, the bare bones stuff. Because um, in terms of life student affairs like positions, um I don't see them opening back up potentially until maybe August. And even then, it takes like three months to Get within the first or second interview so who knows right um and it's a and it's a job experience that you know for for remote work like either some of them are saying like you have to mm-hmm. be back or we're expecting to like have staff back for the fall yeah and just yeah. social distance
1: I mean, those are my questions. Like, I Somehow. applied for a job, on, at, um, uh, just to see what would happen in Boston. And I, I had a follow-up question. I'm like, how is this going to work? Are you going, Are you all going to work remotely? Is, you know, what what growth do you see for this position? And how are you preparing for a long-term like <laughs> stay at home? restrictions, like, those were my <laughs> questions, like, if I can work through this job remotely, um, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> right, I mean, in my job search, so, so far, I've had four different places interviewing me since March, so March and April have been my interview times. Mm -hmm. So for two of them, I've actually moved forward to the second interview. Um, For one of them, um, it was at UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. It was a no, um, but then they recommended me for this other position. Um, And then um, for another one was at um, UC Santa Cruz. That's the most recent interview that I've had, but and they're desperate to like hire someone. And so now it's come to question, I'm like, um, because some of them are like, oh, they know that I'm, like, in the Bay Area. Um, And I've asked, like, how are you all, like, what does the first week look like? Or what's going to, and then most of them are, like, very unsure of, like, how that's going to look, which was, like, pretty common. But some of them were, like, saying, oh, it's going to be all online training or, you know, you're going to have an easy in on the summer. It was just meeting about people. Um, And Mm -hmm. in the second interview, that's the thing that's, like, super worrying because you would normally be on campus. They would, like, fly you in, get a sense of a tour, um, meet folks. Um, Now it's a gamble. I was talking to one of my um, classmates, and I was just like, that would be a great opportunity to really know, like, the campus, the the spaces, Mm -hmm. and the people around there just to get their... And like energy and seeing if this is a place that you see yourself. (laughs) Nothing. I'm like, I didn't even get to see the parking structures. I was like, where's the food? Where would be like apartments or like living? Like I was like, (laughs) you kind of have to gamble up and say like, okay, I'm going to commit to this position. Part of it would be remote, but I really don't know how the... And that's major. Your future colleagues
1: would be, like... You get to feel them out. They get to feel you out. Like, you get to see the campus, like, where you would live, right?
0: It's like... I'm so sad. I'm just, like, how am I supposed to, like, now make a decision or an informed decision about all these things? Um, While everything... Like, especially in the committee, like, when cuz i've been doing mm-hmm. zoom interviews and so the committee like that's the only you people even you get, get to work with those people and that's scary exactly some of them are not even like a part of like your everyday work experience and um, i had one of the job interviews they, they were the only ones i had students in there and so but they were graduating students in the in the search committee and then the rest in the second interview they had open for students and staff and faculty whoever wanted to to um, be a part of it and so you got to see some current students but not all of them a lot of them were graduating and then that's when I'm like oh well you don't even know like if you can make like the student connections like you know to see what your other colleagues are um Or even like the, you know, the living, you know, like you get to tour around the city to see like if you see yourself there or what kind of services or uh, Mm -hmm. like, you know, buildings there are because you're going to have to transition into that place like fully, like make a whole like living arrangement. And for me to know, like, should I bring my car? Mm -hmm. Should I even have a car? because Some of them are in the city, you know. And it's
1: also like, uh, I feel like now it's like, it's a gamble, Right. Um, you have to um, be flexible because you won't, because of the limited number of jobs, the limited number of opportunities and the number of people applying to the same positions and they make you an offer, like, you kind of have to accommodate a little, right? Because you don't have a lot of room to
0: decline. (laughs) Yeah. And and in one of the um, jobs, for sure, for sure, I've gotten a um, an email saying that mm-hmm. for a position at Washington um, State mm. that I'm a yeah. finalist, and I'm like, yay! But also like, that's a different state, and I'm here. <laughs> You're like, how will this work? <laughs> and then um, the the mm-hmm. part that's interesting is that if it's all remote, then I would just be working still in California, and then like. How am I going to move there? Because that's so interesting because it's like a state by state thing. So if they do a lockdown in in the Bay Area or mm-hmm. in California or in that state, like, how is that mm-hmm. going to work? Because a lot of them mentioned, like, already for summer, for sure, it's virtual. So a lot of these trainings will be virtual. A lot of this work will be virtual. Um how effective can we even be, you know, like doing all these things? Because normally we would have like a lot more tools or things to work on. Um, and then the other job that I have, mm-hmm. I got to the second interview. They had requested a background and and reference check, and that's in mm-hmm. San Jose. And it's like two different sides of the coin, right? Like on one hand, it's like Washington, out of state, totally different. And then the other one is on a city. It's really expensive. Um, and it's a system that mm-hmm. I've worked in, you know, the cSU system, so yeah, but each yep, campus yep, actually yep. does their All own thing so and it's and it's uh, something that um for us, we wanted to mm-hmm. actually like dedicate a future episode on like job search and bring in your friend to talk about like. How can like yeah, what will happen to the for job sure. market? And that was something we were already and how to prepare doing, for some of these like new just things. to help
1: people out there in the job search um, before this all happened. So I'm sure that um this whole this upcoming episode on that topic will be completely different. Yeah, I mean, even like um, I'm thinking of you know mm-hmm. the like, leasing my apartment and that is um, that's been affected by, you know, the university and how a lot of people are not going to be on campus in the fall. So there's not a need for subleasing, like a lot of the research or internships or fellowships that people did over the summer. Like that's like gone. So the demand is gone. So that's
0: complicating things as well. Yeah, and then the people, like, who would normally be able to take up summer leases um, or to sublease and things like that, that has been a challenge. I've been trying to get my apartment to be, like, subleased or taken over at least during the mm-hmm. summer, but I'm, like, pretty sure if I was in their boat, I'm, like, why would I just spend the summer and then have to move out again? But I was, like, yeah. usually there's a lot of summer programs that are yeah,
1: up. Yeah, I am. Um... Um, since this but is that's going not happening long, right now, long term, right? So I'm gonna go back to Boston in May to pack my things. Unlike you, I can't get there in four hours. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna oh no. So do that. Just. So but even
0: then, it took forever.
1: I can have my stuff, you know, my important stuff and my clothes, and make that move, you know, because it's pending and. Things aren't getting better, so have um, I'm going to be doing that over the over the month of May. And a ver qué pasa, no, con the subleasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but my landlord already told me that he's um, <laughs> with our,
0: um, flexible, contracts. and
1: you know he understands that the situation is difficult, but a ver. We'll be, we'll be, um, we'll be going through that when we come Uh, we'll be crossing that bridge when we get there. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and especially how like you really can't do long term plans. Yeah, but in the meantime, anyway, let's
1: keep so what sheltering va, in place. Va
0: pasar va pasar.
1: Not trying to get exposed here.
0: Mm-hmm. and then limiting our just our, our amount of news that we get and thinking about yeah, i mean you know making sure that our family members know yeah so anyways what do.
1: moving on
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so part of our um POC business shout out that we wanted to share is Cassandra. Um, I bought some of their earrings um, last week or not last week, last semester uh, for a gift exchange, but then um, things happened. Um, But I got custom made um, earrings um, and I was really inspired uh, because it's a um, homemade um, handmade in Fresno, California. And they make a handcrafted polymer clay jewelry made with a heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and in their Instagram, they, they say, not your average clay earrings. They're really cute. A lot of the earrings have, like, little messages. Um, I love their um, abolish ice ones. They also have defend DACA, um, chingona, and, like, other different messages that you can um, include. Um, and a lot of their, mm-hmm. just, like, yeah, they have it's like definitely cycle, not common like, at all. And it it's would just so creative and, and so colorful. Can and can costume really make nice. it, right? Okay. Yeah, I think right now they're mm-hmm. um, custom. What it says on their Instagram is that they have closed their um, commissions. But um, you can buy a lot of their earrings from Etsy. So you can order some of them. They're really cute. They have, like, small little Mm -hmm. studs to, like, hoop earrings to something more, like, elaborate. So they have just a little variety. If you're considering buying some uh, from a POC business and supporting small businesses, especially during these times, um, a lot of them have had to either close their their brick-and-mortar stores and have to just do, like, online sales, or some of them have, like, for sure closed most of the loans for uh, like small businesses weren't given to actual small mom and pop shops um, and have been like going to like big corporate businesses. Um, So I think it's like really important now to like more than ever be really intentional with like our shopping, if we're able to and seeing like how we can also Mm -hmm. like um, be frugal and, and we've been posting a lot on social media about um, finances and, You know, posting things from, like, um, the Budgetista and um, the Mm -hmm. workshop from, like, Hella Helpful from um, Berna. I think that's their name. Um, A lot of POCs that are um, invested, like, investing Latina um, accounts and stuff like that. Just to, like, help out for some folks, especially during these times where um, a lot Mm -hmm. of us are struggling with, like, finances and, like, paying loans or... Um, rent mortgages it's just really important right now just to if you're able to um, spend some time to um, eat once a week um, learn about finances and things like that just because how ariana you were earlier (laughs) um, sharing that you know a recession is um, is bound to be here
1: uh, i guess i just wanted to share my friend the other day asked me what i'm reading and i just wanted to share what i'm reading and talking about supporting right like Local businesses. Um, I am reading Children of the <laughs> Land um, by Marcelo Castillo Hernandez. I believe that's um, Marcelo Hernandez Castillo. always get them flipped. Um, and also Distance Between Us by Reina Grande. And um, the I'm just starting. I've never read. Have you read the pedagogy? Pedagogy of the oppressed
0: Buddhism uh-huh. I have the book. I haven't read it. I've heard like the like clip notes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. that is definitely like that's a one book that is like very like theoretical that you just kind of have to break it up into pieces. And you need, like, the guidebook Mm -hmm. to, like, understand it. But once you get it, you're like, oh, Um, that makes sense. Every educator should read that book. It talks about,
1: um, it's this attempt to help the oppressed fight back to regain their lost humanity and achieve full humanization. Um, There exist many steps for this process. First of which is for the oppressed to understand what humanization truly is. And it was, I guess, written in 1970. Or published in 1970 in English. Yeah, so just sharing some of the things that I'm reading. And I'm also reading on, rereading Anne Frank Mm -hmm. with my brother, because he hasn't read it and he's in eighth grade. (laughs) Like, hello. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, Especially looking at what kind of reading to read, um, I listened to the audiobook two summers ago, um, and I think this has helped me a lot with anxiety. So maybe some of y'all it would be helpful. Um, I read, and I've mentioned this book um, in a different podcast episode, um, "Braiding Sweet Sweetgrass: Indigenous mm-hmm. Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge" by um, Robin Wall Kimmer, Kim- Kimmerer. I'm sorry for the mispronunciation um i listened to their audiobook they're the ones who read it um and it was like really interesting because it talks a lot about indigenous wisdom and the ways of like being and how to be like how to approach you know this like systems right like these ecosystems and how we are you know connected to mother nature and I think that one just listening to it, it was just like super calming knowing that you know like there's so much mm-hmm. wisdom that nature and animals can teach us about a lot of things that we've not learned. And today I was actually listening to the podcast um called All My Relations. Um I highly recommend it. It's two indigenous um scholars and women photographers um talking um from by matika wilbur and adrian i can't see their last name on this thing um oh wait here uh, matika wilbur and adrian keen from all my relations podcast highly recommend they were like their last episode called uh, growing new beginnings they're on their second season beautiful beautiful um just conversations about um, indigenous communities, you know, talking about their changes in mm-hmm. academia and also what yeah. is going on. Um, I love audiobooks, highly like, recommend like their voice, also mouth, is like very calming.
1: I put it on my so, phone and I get to listen um, to it anyone. as I'm driving. Um, and the one that I'm doing in audiobook is Children of the Land. Like, it's I've been able to get through it, and sometimes I do want to see it. I'm writing like in re- like reference what he said, like highlighted or copied and pasted somewhere, but. I type it out and it's not too bad but it's really like you said it's soothing like just listening to the reader and you can access it whenever and especially for me because I go on almost daily walks I listen to it for an hour right if I walk for an hour I listen I just covered a chapter mm-hmm. exactly um, yeah, and you cover way more if you're, like, having to have class, to sit down and, like, read through the um, whole thing. The professor at Yale has a podcast, Laurie Santos, that is called The Happiness Lab. Um, I haven't heard it, but I, I mean, I like her class so far, so I, I'm i assuming it's also good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are just some, like, suggestions, right, of, like, things to listen to or read.
0: <laughs> um yeah we'll include it in the episode um like caption so folks can go in and um read or click on some links um that way because i think uh-huh. it's like a super important like to spend some time like just focus on what you're interested in finding some space to just like find yeah. calming information yeah that's definitely so like i wouldn't have gotten and into kind of any gives of you some hope of some things or how had did you do things been, differently
1: had nothing none of this had happened you know like it's definitely allowed for more time to spend with family, with to exercise, to read, to listen to audiobooks and podcasts and connect with people virtually, you know?
0: Yeah, and once um, all the students or, you know, employees finish off the semester or whatever is going on the academic year and you know spending some summer um, really thinking about creating some community care Mm -hmm. um, because right now like you know especially with finals um, it's really hard to implement self-care or any care at all Um, so um, yeah just know develop some sort of game plan afterwards Mm -hmm. well thank you all so much for listening for for catching on to us. We all missed you know being able to you know connect in podcasts at least at least twice a month and yeah, now it's been so like stay a month on the lookout for that um, one and we're looking and forward to our next episode to for sure
1: months, um, for the tips that we give and our guests have provided um, but in closing, for all of our listeners, you can email us at codeswitchers at gmail dot com that 's with an X. And send us your POC business, conference, or event shout-outs. Anything that you see that it's interesting that we can help you promote. And also you can record a listener message on the Anchor app. So all you have to do is look, search for the Anchor app, download it, and then record it send us. And that way we can include it in uh, our future episodes. Uh, please follow us on Instagram uh, if you haven't done that yet. At x. I-C-A-N-A-C-O-D-E-S-W I T C H R E R S. So Chicana Code Switchers and on Twitter at Xcodeswitchers Switchers. If you want to support this podcast, you can Venmo Cash Up App Us at uh, Chicana Code Switchers and or become a Patreon contributor. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. And until next time, bye everyone. See you. Thank you.